0: Continuing with the thought on the 2300 days, um, the certain place in the last presentation, we were going over and showing that the 2300 days is Jacob's ladder, the ladder that Jacob saw that was set up on earth, and the topmost round reaches to heaven. It's the sanctuary. It's speaking about the sanctuary that, and Jacob. We're going to read. Jacob says that this is the gate to heaven. Gate. And a gate is a door, it's an opening. If anyone wants to know the way to heaven, the sanctuary that God set up on earth is the door that you enter that will take you up to the understanding of how to get to heaven. So God gave to the Jewish nation. He gave them the very sanctuary and we're going to see there's only two denominated people that God has ever had on this earth and a sanctuary is what makes them God's denominated people. So God made the Jews the gatekeeper and he made Seventh-day Adventists the gatekeepers. He made the Jews in Adventists the two angels that's guarding the gate to the tree of life. These, and the Jews are still guarding the sanctuary. Even though they're not his people, what are they guarding? They're still guarding the natural understanding of the sanctuary. And Seventh-day Adventists is to be guarding the spiritual understanding of the sanctuary. So these two angels that God has set up in the earth are the gatekeepers. And these two religions, the Jews and Adventists, are going to become two prominent and powerful people. To help God, to help people at the end of the world understand the sanctuary system, God is not done with the Jews yet. In the sense, yes, they're cut off from being from being His people, but that He still has people in there that He's going to bring out to help people understand the sanctuary. And He has Adventists to bring them up to the level of the spiritual understanding of the sanctuary that they should have. So we we're gonna we just saw that with the twenty third of days. So remember, God says, four ninety is cut off onto His people. He, in, the, the, when, in 34 AD, God is no longer using the Jews as his people. They're under the curse. They're, 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 they're given to Satan. But there's people in there that still is holding into the knowledge of the sanctuary, that the Lord one day he's going to call out and have them come be teachers of those that don't really understand the sanctuary because he made them gatekeepers and he made Adventist gatekeepers to the sanctuary. And that's why Jacob is at the bottom. What is he doing? He's guarding the way. Jacob is guarding the way. If anyone wants to understand what Jacob saw in vision, where did they have to go? To Jacob. Because Jacob, on, Jacob is Christ. If anyone wanted to know the way to heaven, where did they have to go? To Christ. So on 27 AD, when God anointed Christ, he said He basically said to the world, if anyone wants to know the way up to me, because Christ was at the bottom in his humanity, God in the flesh, and who was at the top? God the Father. So Christ was the one between and man and the Father. So, if anyone wants to go up to the Father, the one who spoke directly to Christ, they had to go to the one in whom the Father anointed to minister in the priest's office. So, at 27 AD, the Father anointed Christ with His Spirit To minister in the services of the sanctuary. But Christ was doing his ministration work for the Father upon earth. His Father is the great high priest and the Father made Christ the high priest of earth. The Father made Christ the minister of the sanctuary in heaven on earth. That's why he came after the order of Melchizedek. So this is the ladder that takes people up to heaven. And Christ left the disciples in charge of that understanding when he went up to heaven. So the Jews failed to follow him up to heaven, so they were left with the outer court understanding, and they can see no way into the heavenly sanctuary. So the Jews, they stay there in the court. So they they, they understand that a little bit, but they, they won't ascribe what the outer court taught them to the Messiah Christ. So that's why they were rejected, and the Lord accepted the Christian faith, and they went on. So we're going to develop this as we go on, in our understanding. But before we begin, I just wanted to introduce that. Let us open up once again with a with a silent word of prayer. So, as we said, that was a brief little introduction just before our prayer. So let us go back to our notes now that we were reading. And let's pick back up in, in Genesis chapter 28 and let's begin in verse 13. Genesis 28 verse 13, Jacob's ladder. This is, Jacob's ladder is an illustration of the sanctuary that God set up on earth. God set that ladder up on that place on earth. And that's, Jacob says, this is none other than the house of God, the, the gate to heaven. Let's see this. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father and, and the God of J- Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, liest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed. When the father said to Christ, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, all of this was being said to Christ right there. The land in where you're standing and the land in where you're walking, I will give it to you. It is yours. And Christ went forward. And what did Satan come to do? To try to offer him a kingdom, to try to move him away from what the father promised him. Christ had to wait for the kingdom to be given to him. But Satan was trying to make him run ahead of the father and fall and to receive the kingdom at his hand. But Christ says, get thee hence, Satan, worship God, serve God and worship God and him only shalt thou serve. It is written. So going on. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. I want to pause here for a little bit. When you find that the sanctuary is the way to heaven, and you come to understand Daniel 9, which is the key, those who find this... This is being said to them, I am with thee. And listen to what he says: I am um I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And what did we say in Luke 4 was? Christ says he found the place where it was written. So in all the places in the scriptures, Christ says, When you find the key, when you find the way to heaven. I will be with you in all the places in the scriptures in which you go, showing you how that place is an explanation of the sanctuary system and the way to heaven. No matter where you go in the scriptures, when you find the Messiah, meaning when you find the understanding that Christ is really the one that God has anointed to minister to humanity on planet Earth, you found the one that God has appointed to explain the scriptures to you. So whenever you receive Christ, what does it mean to receive Christ? to receive the very message that points you to Christ. When you receive the message that points you to Christ, you essentially receive Christ. And when you receive Christ by receiving the message, the message is the word of God. So anyone who received the message, receives the word of God, God says, I will be with you. And every place you go in the scriptures from this point forward, I'm going to teach you. Because I know you're going to ascend up to to heaven to learn of me, and you're going to descend back down to earth to teach men of me. That's what I know you're going to do. So therefore, anywhere you go in the scriptures, I'm going to teach you about the work I'm doing in heaven so that you can come down from heaven, so that you can come down from this high exalted place I brought you of understanding the scriptures and go back down and service man because that's what Christ did. Christ came from heaven and he came to earth and from the earth to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the grave back up to heaven, but he left the disciples up on earth to lead men up to where he is and that's where you and I are. So if, if any minister... Any ministry, any person does not understand the sanctuary, does not understand the 2300 days. I want to say this clearly. God did not send them. They're not God's ministers. God's ministers are anointed according to the system of the sanctuary. If you're not anointed, meaning if you don't have his spirit according to the system of the sanctuary that he set up on earth that's designed to be a ladder to take man up to heaven, you're not his minister, nor are you his messenger. You're just not. That's what all ministers No, God's ministers have a message. All of the angels that come down from heaven, where are they coming from? The sanctuary. They're coming from the sanctuary. So all the disciples of Christ on earth, where are they coming from? The sanctuary. They're coming from the same place. And what do they see in the sanctuary? They see the table of showbread. They see the candlestick. They see the altar of prayer. They go into the most holy place. They see the ark of the covenant. They see the father on the throne. They see the covering cherub. They see the high priest standing before the father. And what you see, you come back down to earth and you let men know what you see. How do you make them see it? By the type. You, let, you show them what Christ is doing based upon the sanctuary that God set up on earth to be a pattern to lead man up to heaven. And just so that there's no confusion of how to do the work of the sanctuary, God sent his son to be a pattern. To do the work of the sanctuary, showing men that this is what you do upon earth—the same work that the sanctuary, that the, the priest on earth did in the sanctuary, that the Jews had—that I gave the Jews the commission to teach people, but they failed to do. I'm now coming to show you how to do it, because the Jews failed to show people, even their own people, how to do it, because Luke 11:52 says they took away the key of knowledge. They took away the knowledge from the people about the work of the sanctuary so that the people individually for themselves can know the way to heaven. And so God says the Jews should have gave the people the key of knowledge, but they didn't. And the Lord set up Seventh-day Adventists to now do the same thing. But unfortunately, unfortunately, the leaders in the Adventist church has taken away the key of knowledge from Seventh-day Adventists. What does that mean? They've taken away Seventh-day Adventists' ability to understand the sanctuary for themselves. They've taken it away. So God has to now raise up ministers that that has that, that is not connected or associated with the mainstream um, system of making ministers to go and teach people the way to heaven. It was singing with, um, uh, was singing with J- John. John. Amen. Same with the disciples. Same with William Miller and on and on. It it will always be that way. God always. But there's coming a time when it will no longer be that way. The Lord has sent up a movement upon earth that will not fall. It will not go that way. And that's what the Lord is about to do. If we're faithful, he's going to have faithful ministers that's going to walk with him all the way to the end. They're going to suffer for doing so. But nonetheless, their ministry will be blessed because Christ says, listen to what Christ says. I am with thee and will keep thee in all places. That's both natural and spiritual. So wherever these ministers go who find this, just like Jacob, Jacob now is going to be an example from this point forward of every minister that finds Christ, how God is going to be with them in the good and in the bad, when they mess up and when they do right, because God knows Jacob's heart. He understand that Jacob desires spiritual thing. Does God have Jacobs on the, in the end of the world? He most certainly does. He knows who they are, and they, they will know who they are by the light in which Christ is giving them. That's how they'll know who they are. The same light he gives to Jacob, what is he doing for us? He's giving us the same thing. Mm-hmm. So what is he saying? You're Jacob. That's what he's saying. You're Jacob. But there's two Jacobs. There's Jacob of the flesh and there's Jacob that becomes Israel, the Jacob of the Spirit. So why, why does the Lord teach us that? So we don't boast, so we don't lift ourselves up, and thinking that, oh, we're all good, and it's done. No, that's not what we're saying. We're just saying we have a choice from this point forward. We can be the Jacob of the flesh and steal the birthright, or we can be the Jacob of the Spirit and wait patiently for the Lord, because Christ came to fulfill what Jacob didn't do. Jake. Christ waited for the promise. Jacob tried to bring about the promise. So that's the two Jacobs. Jacob in the flesh and Jacob in the spirit, which is Christ, who does it the right way and covers Jacob's mistake and actually is going to turn it into something good because God has the power to do that. So let us continue. I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest and will bring thee again into the land. For I will, listen to this part, for I will not leave thee. Where do we hear that? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I will not leave thee. Why doesn't Christ leave the disciples? Because he's invested in them an understanding of the sanctuary. So he can't leave them. They know the way to heaven. Once Christ teaches you this, he will never leave you. Who leaves? You. You have the power to leave. Once God marries you by teaching you something, he can't leave. You leave. He doesn't. He won't leave you. So let us be faithful to the light that the Lord has shown us. He won't leave, so let us catch that spirit of not leaving each other in this marriage commitment that we made with the Lord. Amen? So let us continue. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of, of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And he says, surely the Lord is where? In this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? My brothers and sisters, even though the 2300 days in the sanctuary is sweet, it's a dreadful place. It's a scary place because it shows us both life and death. Death is scary. Life is sweet. I mean, there's a saying in the world. Life is good. Do as thou will because life is good. That's how they live. But Christians, we live that way too. We say life is good but do as the Father will, and life will continue to be good. Amen? That's what Christ said, not my will, but thy will. As long as we do God's will, life will always be good. But David says, woe to the wicked. Their end is miserable. Life may be good for them now. But David said, I went into the sanctuary, and I saw their end. And he says, it will be well for the righteous, but it will not be good for the wicked they're going to find out at the end that life wasn't as good in transgression as they thought it was. It wasn't good. They may feel good to sin. There is pleasure in sin. Because Moses said, the Bible says Moses chose to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And the Bible says, having a pleasure, having a, no, having a, Timothy, Lovers of pleasure. That's it. Lovers of pleasure. Thank you, Lord. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. There's pleasure in sin. What is that pleasure? The love of transgression. Some people love to do evil, but God has people who hate evil. Um, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And God has people who love righteousness. Christ says, I delight to do thy will, O my God, for thy law is within my heart. So God wants to write his law upon our heart, not just in a letter, but in the spirit. What is it in the spirit? To have a desire and a delight to do that which he has said. And then life will really be good for you because you're going to make right use of the law in which God has given to you. And you won't be like the like Satan who made wrong use of the law, who tried to use the law to oppress people to serve and worship him. We, that life isn't good. That one ends in misery, misery and woe. So let us continue. This place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other, <clears throat> this is none other, here's this part, but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the, listen to this, took the stone. Notice what he says. He took the stone. So in the beginning of Genesis 28, with, um, dealing with Jacob, the Bible says he took stones but when you come down to the end of the vision, it says he took stone. He, yeah. He took a stone. He took a certain. certain. Thank you. He took a certain stone. So there's many stone, but there's certain stone. There's so much you can teach from this. Uh, and but I'm 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 trying to follow the, the the what the Lord wants us to understand. So Jacob took the certain stone and let us see what he did. So there's many stones. And the stones, I'm going to say in this sense, in this, in, this, in this explanation, are people for right now. I'm going to say it's an event. I'm going to go back to events. I'm going to go in and out of the sanctuary. I'm going to show how it's people. I'm going to go in and I'm going to come out and I'm going to show how it's the sanctuary. And we're going to show how it's events. This is what we're going to do. So for this explanation, we're going to say the stones is people. So the father took a stone from all the people upon earth, which is Christ. And what did he do? He anointed him. Everyone's anointed, but what's different with Christ? John told us. John in John chapter 3 says, The Father giveth not the Spirit by him unto measure. God gave him all the Spirit. All the knowledge of the sanctuary system was given to Christ. So this is why if anyone wants to understand the way to heaven, you literally have to go to Christ. He's the only one that the Father has entrusted all of heaven to. But John says, the rest of us, He's given us spirit in measure. Why has he given it to us in measure? Because we're sinful, weak, erring human beings. The father gives us something and sometimes we take his goods to go to go do bad with it. So the father tests us. He gives us enough to see what we will do with it. But Christ, not so with Christ. He gave Christ everything. Because why? Because Christ was a man after God's own heart. So the father gave him everything. Why? Just like he gave David. He gave David everything, but we saw what happened when David got everything. What did he do? He used it to steal somebody else's wife and murder somebody. And what, when, who else did we see him do that to? To Solomon. God said there was none as wise as Solomon up to Christ. No one was as wise as him. And what did he do with his wisdom? He corrupted his way. He stole that wisdom and, and took glory to himself. That's what he did with that wisdom. And Abraham, God gave, committed the, the kingdom to Abraham. What did Abraham do? He lied. He lied. So the, so the Lord gave us types to show us what would happen if he give man all. He gave the Jews the whole sanctuary system. He gave the Jews all of heaven in type. What did they do with it? Betrayed sacred trust. They didn't teach anybody. So the Lord has shown us this is why I can't give man all. But there's one man among us. The chiefest one, the chief stone, in whom I'm going to give all. Because in order to really pass the test, some man has to be given all. Because Adam and Eve was given what? All. All. They were given all the natural light that they can have. But what did they do with it? They sold it. They sinned. So the test, so somebody didn't pass the test. So Christ became a man to pass the test of receiving all. Just like Adam. What was the all Christ got? all the natural light that's available and through that Christ learned of the spiritual and if anyone wanted a spiritual because he was God he knew the way to heaven and Christ who is man he knows what to do on Christ as man knows what to do on earth and Christ as God knows what to do in heaven so if anyone wanted to know what to do on earth come to Christ and if anyone wants to know how to get to heaven come to Christ. Because he was God, who have all things, who's God, and he was man, who have all things natural as a man. So if anyone wanted to know all things naturally and spiritually, Christ is the one that the Father appointed to teach you and I. And Christ, because he he can't do it by himself, he's a man. He can't be everywhere at the same time. So what does he do? He anoints twelve. And the twelve represent what? People out of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So the Lord anointed 12 people from all the world. They represent all the world. Those 12 represent the whole coast, north, south, east, and west. So the 12 was, and where did Christ tell them to go? Go into all the world. Because I can't be in in all the world. I'm now a man. I've sold my ability to be everywhere at once. I've given that up to come save you. But now I'm giving you the power that I had before, before the world ever was. The power to be everywhere. Now I will be everywhere in you. So go everywhere. Take me everywhere. You become the temple that takes me everywhere so that I can teach men through you. And that's what the Lord wants to do with you and I. And that's what the 2300 days. What we're learning right now and speaking of, this is the light that we're getting from the 2300 days. This is it. This is the light of the sanctuary. And if it, this is what Seventh-day Adventists should be teaching right now. But they're not doing that. And you know why they're not doing that? Because they don't have any love or any regard for this. And most of them don't even know this. Most of them don't even know or understand this. So I want to say if this is making sense to you, share this with your Seventh-day Adventist brethren. You have a responsibility now to share this with your Seventh-day Adventist friends. Not only them, strangers. Share it with them. Not only them, Jews too. Gentiles, anybody. Share it, but most importantly, share it with Seventh-day Adventist brethren if you're a Seventh-day Adventist. And if you're not a Seventh-day Adventist and you're a Baptist or a Sunday worshiper, share with your Sunday worshipers. Do the same thing. We're going to deal with the Sabbath, but not at this time. But the sanctuary always will lead men to the Sabbath. The sanctuary never leads men away from the Sabbath. It always leads men to the Sabbath because the Sabbath is the place of rest. And whenever you come into the sanctuary like Jacob, you found the place of rest. That ladder that Jacob found is also the Sabbath. But we're not dealing with that right now because the Sabbath is a certain place in a certain time of day, a week. In the week, there's a certain day that everyone is to worship God. And anyone who worships on that certain day have found a ladder that takes them up to God. So the sanctuary and the Sabbath, they go hand in hand. They're not separate. They, they, they point to the same author, that God is the creator of man, and the sanctuary is the system that he set up to do what? To save man. They both go to the Sabbath saves men. That's what it does. The Sabbath is a saver of mankind. But many people don't look at the Sabbath in that light. That's why they have no respect for it. If we understood that the Sabbath was intended to save our life, we would keep the Sabbath right. And if we understood that the sanctuary was appointed to save our life, we would study the system of the sanctuary. Both were appointed by God to be a saver of life. Even marriage is a saver of life. If people understood that marriage saves your life, We would have respect for husband and wife. We would. But because we don't understand that it it, it saves your life, God instituted marriage to save families. If we understood that, we would have more reverence for marriage. We would have more reverence for Sabbath. And we would have more reverence for the sanctuary. If we understood that these things actually save our natural life and our spiritual life. They save our natural life so we can be healthy in this life. And they save our spiritual life, sealing it up with God for eternity. If we obey the things or the requirements in which he's leaving for us, how long is this so far? Nineteen. 19? All right. Praise God. Let us continue. So it says, um, going back. This Jacob says, "This is the gate of heaven." And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone, and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. Okay. So Jacob poured oil upon the top of the stone. All right. So in 27 AD, the Father poured oil up on top of Christ. And we're going to see that this is the Spirit. So those who study the 2300 days and understand it correctly, what is God doing? Pouring oil up on top of you. So let us see what it means to pour oil up on top of you. One meaning. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil up on the top of it in accordance with the custom of what? Lemme Commemorating them. important events. Jacob set up a memorial of God's mercy that whenever he should pass that way, he might tarry at this sacred spot to worship the Lord. All right, go down to Exodus. He was going to say, go ahead. The sacred spot is a certain truth. Amen. Okay. Amen. Amen. So, what's the 2,300 days? It's a sacred place. Everyone must worship where at the gate. Everyone must worship at the gate of the 2,300 days, the sanctuary. This is the gate to heaven. The understanding. When I say 2,300 days, I mean the prophecy of it. Everyone must worship at this prophecy. Everyone who's a Christian must understand this prophecy. I don't. It doesn't matter if you're a Baptist, a Pentecostal, a Catholic, an infidel. A Seventh-day is a Muslim man, a Buddhist man, a Hindu man, the Bible says to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, fear God and what? Worship Him. Everyone must worship at this gate. This is the gate that God has set up on earth for every man to worship. How do we worship God? By understanding what God has appointed to save us from sin. That's how we worship Him, in spirit and in truth. It's not just about going to church on Sabbath. That's worshiping God in theory, in the letter. God is not going to accept that worship. If you're ignorant, maybe he'll accept that worship, if you're ignorant. But if you're a Seventh-day Adventist, you have no right to be ignorant. Worshiping God, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. How do you do that? By understanding the things in which he's teaching you spiritually. Those who understand the spiritual lessons from the natural things, their ways please God. That's what pleases him. God is not pleased with the sacrifice of bulls and goats and the blood of animals. That doesn't please God. What pleases him is you understanding what he appointed those things to teach you about him. That's what pleases him. That. And when we please God by understanding the spiritual lessons, then we can rightfully say we're worshiping God. Sabbath keepers are supposed to be spiritual worshipers. That's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be natural people who worship God spiritually and in truth. That's what Christ came to make us, spiritual worshipers. All right, so he took the stone. But before I go on, let's look at what the oil is. Exodus 25, 29. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and then what? Anoint him. All right. Take the anointing oil for the high priest, pour it upon his head and anoint him. So let's go to the New Testament. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath what? Anointed me to preach the gospel. Let's stop here. If you haven't been anointed, why are you preaching the gospel? You have no right to preach the gospel if you're not anointed. Then what's the anointing? It's in Daniel 9 25. Onto the Messiah, onto the anointed one. Anointed means to be taught. If you're not taught, you're not anointed. You can say you're anointed all you want. The ho- the, Jesus says, the, the anointing is the Holy Spirit. And what does Jesus say the Holy Spirit is going to do? He shall teach you all things guide and guide you into all truth. So a sign of someone being anointed is someone having the ability to explain the scriptures, to teach the scriptures, and to guide people into all truth. A sign that someone has the Holy Spirit is someone who guides somebody else into the truth. Why? Because his soul is being guided into the truth. If you're guided into the, into the truth, then you're anointed to guide somebody else into the truth. <clears throat> so if you're not anointed, meaning guided into the truth and understanding the truth, why are you preaching the gospel? What are you giving people? You're giving them another gospel. You're giving them a false version of the gospel. It's not the true version that God has set up in this earth. The sanctuary teaches us that if anyone to do a work in God's service, they must be anointed. They must have an understanding of the requirements of God in order to constitute being the Lord's minister. And if you don't understand this, you're not the Lord's minister, you're just not, no matter how much you say, you're his minister. If you don't understand, Daniel, if your minister or your ministry cannot explain, take this scripture, whoever's watching this, take this scripture and go ask your pastor to explain this to you. And that's how you check his credentials, not an earthly credential. You check his credential by the Bible. If he doesn't understand, if he doesn't have this license of Daniel 8:14 and taking the key of Daniel 9:24, then that that pastor is not appointed by God to be his minister. He's not, no matter how much he says he's a minister of the church, he's not appointed by God. If he cannot explain to you Daniel 8:14 and Daniel 9:25 and Daniel 11:40 40 to 45, he's not God's appointed minister. God's ministers have a message John was sent with a message in John chapter 1, and the message John was sent with was Daniel chapter 9, an explanation of Daniel 8.14. So if your minister cannot do that, he's not God's appointed minister or ministry, and you need to flee from that place. The Bible says, come out from among them, and be ye separate, and touch not what? The unclean things. Don't have anything to do with it. After you find out, If they're appointed by God and after you seek to explain to them the way to God, because now you know it and now you have a responsibility to explain it to that minister, whether he hears or forbears, it doesn't matter. You have a responsibility to explain it to him now because you know the way and God's going to hold you accountable because you he's going to test you in this little knowledge to see what you will do with it. And if you're faithful with it, the Lord will be faithful in giving you more light and understanding in the way to heaven. So let us continue. How, was, how long was that? How long is that? 26. Okay, 27. Okay. So let's look at Acts 10. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. So the, in the Old Testament, the anointing was oil, the oil was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Whenever the priest was anointed in the Old Testament sanctuary system, Israel knew that that priest who's doing the service, God's Spirit is upon that priest. The anointing oil was only an outward symbol to show that God's Spirit was upon that priest. So when Jesus was anointed, let's look at where Jesus was anointed. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descended like a dove. And what? Lighting upon him. What, why is that saying that? Let's go back to Exodus twenty twenty eight. 28. Exodus 29 says, Then shalt thou take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head. So what was happening in Christ? The Father was pouring the anointing oil upon his head. The Father was giving Christ a whole bunch of understanding. John chapter 3 says, God giveth not his spirit by measure unto him. So when Christ got anointed with the spirit, God poured all the oil, all the teaching into Christ because Christ just began his ministry. So God gave him everything to do the work of his ministry. So when we get baptized, that's when our ministry really begins, when we get baptized. If we haven't been baptized, I wanna encourage us to start considering being baptized because baptism is a matter of life or death because Christ says, thus becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. So if we haven't been baptized, you're doing unrighteousness. If you're sitting in God's church and you haven't been baptized, you're not walking in the way of righteousness. John came baptized and telling people, this is the way of righteousness. And Christ acknowledged that by being what? Baptized. That this is the way of righteousness. So I want to encourage us to get baptized. Go ahead. Okay, praise God. So commemorate. So let's go back. Commemorate. So this is what it means to be oil. Then cometh Jesus um, to be baptized. And um, I want to read back that part for the anointing of Jacob. Uh, where she says, um, in the quote, she says, in accordance with the custom of commemorating important events, Jacob set up a a, a memorial of God's mercy. All right, so here's, now I'm going to say the stones is event. So 27 AD, because the Father spoke from heaven for the first time in all of the Bible. Just go through your Bible. For the first time, the earth heard the Father spoke since Adam and Eve sinned. They heard it for the first time. And he says, before that time, God spoke to the earth through Christ. Anyone who wanted to know God, they had to go through Christ. Anyone who wanted to know God, they still got to go through Christ. But for the first time, God the Father, the earth heard God the Father's voice, 27 AD, saying what? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What do we think God's going to do with that date? Commemorate it. Pour oil upon it. How's God going to do that? For the rest of our earthly existence, man is going to learn of 27 A.D., 31 A.D., and 34 A.D. Man will learn that until the kingdom of grace is done. Everybody on this planet must learn about 27 A.D. what happened, 31 A.D. what happened, and 34 A.D. what happened. So what am I saying? Anyone who teaches the present truth and cannot incorporate 27 AD and 31 AD and 34 AD and show how it's present truth today, they're not God's appointed minister. God will forever commemorate that day. How do I know that he will do that? Just go back to ancient Israel. When they had the Passover, what did God do? He commemorated that day. He says, remember this day. This is the day I brought you out of Egypt. Never forget this. So you know what I want to say to that? We're to remember the day we got baptized. And when the Lord showed me that this morning, I felt really bad because I really don't even remember what day I got baptized. I know what year I got baptized, but I don't remember the day I got. And I felt bad. And I and I'm, Lord, I don't remember when I got baptized. You remembered when your son got baptized. So I, I want to encourage us: Whenever we get baptized, commemorate that day. That was the day you covenanted to walk with God. Jesus covenanted to walk with God. And, he, and I really feel bad that I don't remember that day. It really bothers me even now. And I don't remember when I got baptized. I just know the year, but I don't really know the day. And I I got re-baptized myself. I hope my brother Swindon or Michelle or brother Wesley remember the day because I really now want to remember it. And I want to commemorate it because that was the day I covenanted to to walk in this message. So I want to encourage us when you get baptized, make a record of it. Don't forget it because God didn't forget the baptism of his son. So everyone who's God's son will never forget the day that they came. I mean, it's common sense. When your son is born into this world, do we forget it? We commemorate it by calling it a what? A birthday. There's nothing wrong with birthdays. Don't let anybody, any paganism people tell you is pagan. No, there's nothing wrong with a birthday. It's how you treat that day. You can use it, right? Because when you become a Christian, that's your birthday. But, But did Jesus, when was Jesus born? 4 BC. There's no record of it, but he did have a day. And the Lord lined up his natural birthday with his spiritual birthday. So it wouldn't be surprising if Christ was actually born the day He was baptized too, if you really, if you really studied out. So, Amen. Yeah, because I, I just can't. I don't have no thus save the Lord to prove that to you. I'm just making that that little point there. But to go on, remember the day you got baptized. How long is that? Thirty-two. All right. I'm gonna stop here by the grace of God. And in our next study, we're gonna pick back up from that point. So the Father commemorated 27 AD and 27 AD will be taught until Jesus come. And praise God, it'll be taught in eternity too. Because there'll be things God will forever commemorate that day. He'll commemorate 27 AD the Father spoke. 31 AD the Father came down and 34 AD heavens open and, and and they saw Jesus and the Father side by side next to each other. So those three dates are commemorated by God's divine presence. So the saint the, the Saint Christ was set up on earth and God was at the topmost round of the ladder. So in our next presentation, the, the next part, I want to encourage you, if this is your first time watching this part, I encourage you to watch the other part. And if these messages are blessing your soul and, and helping you and touching your heart, we want to encourage you, please don't, don't keep these things to yourself, share it with brothers, share these videos that has been going up for the past few weeks under the playlist of the 23rd of the Day, share these videos, share them with your brothers and sisters. Share them with your friends. Share them with, with strangers. It doesn't matter. Just share these things. Share it with your own voice and, and better yet, share it with your life and better yet, share it by studying it and then taking what the Lord shows you through it and share that with others as well. And I want to encourage you, if it's also been blessing you, the work, can't, the work naturally can't be sustained without natural support. So I also want to encourage you to support our, our ministry and support the work. If you hear God's voice in this, then support the work that is going forth, so that we can continue to do things like this, not only here in Huntsville, Alabama, but also around the world as the Lord is commissioning us to, to do things of this nature when we come to understand the way to heaven so, and so that we can help others find their way to heaven. But most importantly, our, our burden is for Seventh-day Adventists because they of all people should know the way to heaven. But unfortunately, Seventh-day Adventists has lost the way to heaven and God is in Seventh-day Adventist place. But Seventh-day Adventists know it not. Of all the religion upon this earth, God has anointed Seventh-day Adventists. He's commemorated Seventh-day Adventists by October 22nd, 1844. Everyone is to know what made them Seventh-day Adventists when they become a Seventh-day Adventist. God has commemorated that day for Seventh-day Adventists. But unfortunately, Seventh-day Adventists have lost their identity. Just like many in the world today have lost their identity of what is a man, And what is a woman, so Seventh-day Adventists have lost their identity of what is a spiritual man and what is a spiritual devil. They've lost their identity to know what makes them a son of God and what makes them a son of Satan. They don't know how to interpret that correctly anymore. And the sanctuary would make Seventh-day Adventists able to do that. But praise God, not all of them. Some of them are walking true to the light that God has given to them, and that's where they are. So I want to encourage us to share these things with Seventh-day Adventists brethren, and also anybody but... We have a burden for seven-day events. And if you're watching this, in our ministry, we like to visit and teach you because what we, Jesus left heaven and visited this earth. He didn't just speak to us from heaven. He actually came here and visited. What is he teaching us by doing that? That ministry is real interaction. Yes, we have cell phones. Yes, we can do live stream and Facebook and Twitter and whatever social system that that man has invented today for the purpose of teaching the gospel. The best ministry is personal ministry, actual physical contact. So I want to encourage us that if this is blessing you and and you would like for us to physically be in your house so that if you invite us into your house, do you know what happens? A blessing comes to your house, not because you invited us, because you invited the presence of God through the scriptures and the teachings to come to your house. So therefore, the Lord will bless your house for doing such thing, and He will lead people to your house because your house now become what? The gate to heaven. Because your, your house now knows the way to lead people to heaven. This is what the Lord will do for everyone who receives the gospel message. So I want to encourage us to, to reach, out, reach out, send us invite. And I want to say this. If you're the only one, we don't care. You know why? Because if you were the only one that God was going to save, he would have done the same thing. And John chapter 4 showed the woman at the well. She was the only one. But what did Christ do? He went to go visit her and teach the gospel. So if you're the only one, don't feel bad that you don't have anyone to invite and have us come out. We're not worried about that. If you're the only one, we're interested in your salvation as well as ours. Because if we're interested in our own salvation, we must first be interested in your salvation. Being interested in others, we'll be, we're showing that we're interested in our own salvation. Because to the real, one of the real secrets to overcoming is first help, help others and then you will receive help. So we just want to pray and, and, and say that by the grace of God, if you're blessed by this, Send us invites, um, by we, if the Lord opens up the way, we'll make every effort to come out there, even if you're the only one, and even if you're in the remotest part of this world, you can be in Brazil, for all we, for all, for, for, I don't know the right word, for all we know, you can be in, in Africa, in New Zealand, Australia, it doesn't matter, if the Lord opens up the way, you can be in a jungle, and you somehow came across this, if we got a track through the jungle, because Christ slept in the wilderness, to show that he slept with the wild beasts too, So if you're in the wilderness and the wild beasts are there, then by the grace of God, if the Lord opens up the way, then by his mercy will pay you a visit there. Because Christ was willing to come pay me a visit. He was willing to come pay you a visit in this earth, in a world of sin. So why should not we be willing as Christians, as his ministers, to pay each other a visit? So I I, I encourage us to reach out um, and, and, and please continue to pray for us as you pray for yourself, that the Lord will further that. We will finish this work by the grace of God. And, 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 and prepare the way for our Savior to come and take us home with him. So um, let us close out this session with a word of prayer. Lord, we want to thank you, O Lord, for helping us to understand your word. All that we have is yours, O God. The understanding you give us, it belongs to you. And Father, help us to return tithes to you in these things by giving back to you what rightfully belongs to you. For this is what the tithing system tells us, that whatever, give, whatever you give us, we're to return to you and whenever you give us light, O oh Lord. You're giving us all of heaven, even in, even if it's a measure. It's in that measure, it's all of heaven, and we're to return a tithes to you. We do that, O oh Lord, by helping others to understand that same light that you've given to us. And this is how we, re, we this is one way in which we repay you for what you have done to show our appreciation for what you're teaching us. So please, Lord, help us to show our appreciation by helping somebody else to find their way to heaven because we were, we were in, in a terrible place. We were lost, we didn't, we, God was in this place and we knew it not. But Lord, in your mercy, you're helping us to see that you're really in this place. A great amount of your presence is in this teaching. And Lord, I thank you for what you're helping us to understand. Please forgive us of our sins. Please create in us a clean heart. Please forgive us of our neglect of prayer and Bible study. And I pray, oh Lord, that you would indeed fulfill your word. You said to them that receive, to them you give power to become sons of God, to them that believe on your name, Lord. We believe. We ask that you please help our unbelief. Please fulfill thy promise and give us your power so that we can be sons of God today. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.